always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Notice this instruction, you be steadfast, you be unmovable. This is an instruction that is preceded by the victory that we are operating in. Verse 57 says, thanks be to God, which gives us the victory. Notice, gives is continual present tense. He gives us. Not has given, that's true, but not limited to has given. He gives. Every day gives. Every moment gives. Every second of every moment of every day, He gives us the victory. That's why we're steadfast. That's why we're steadfast. Why? Because He gives me the victory. Because He, ha he gives me the victory, I'm steadfast. I'm not in and out, I'm not up and down, I'm not here and there, I'm not making, making uh, continual changes, fluctuations in, in my life. No, I'm steadfast. I am un Is it possible to be unmovable? Is that in your Bible? Does it say for you to be unmovable? It's possible because he instructed us. Since he said be unmovable, it's possible that no matter what comes, no matter what report you get, no matter what your eyes see, no matter what they say, no matter what you feel like, you can be unmovable. Why? Because he gives me the victory. He gives me the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So it is possible to be unmovable. Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10 and verse 23. Also instructs us in this manner. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Why? Because he's faithful that promised. So because he gives us the victory, we are steadfast and unmovable. Because he's faithful to what he's promised us, we hold fast. Hold fast is another way of describing I'm unmovable. I'm steadfast. I'm holding fast. I'm not changing what I'm saying. I'm not changing how I'm looking at this situation. I am holding fast to the profession or the declaration of my faith. Um, that profession is talking about what you're saying, what you profess. I profess to you this day. He said, hold fast to the profession, to the declaring. And it actually means saying the same thing. Saying the same thing. So he is faithful that promised, I'm going to hold fast to saying the same thing. I'm going to maintain my profession of faith without wavering. Let me read the Amplified. It says, so let us seize and hold fast and retain. Seize, hold fast, and retain without wavering. 
the, the best way to describe this word from the Greek language, in the original language, it's a compound word, and it's, it's uh, the first part of this compound word, kata, means to come down for the purpose to subjugate or to dominate. And so it, the second part means to bring it into your possession. And so you've heard me use this example before, but it's the best way. And here we are in the middle of football season, so y'all might as well just apply this illustration, right? And so in the same way that if the football gets fumbled on the field, all the players on the field jump on it. And they bring it, they jump on it, and they seize it, and they bring it into their possession. And all these other players are, are piling on top of them, trying to reach under them and take it out of their possession, but the one who's got a hold of it, he's guarding it with his whole body. He's circled him, his whole body around that football because he seized it. He's laid hold of it. He's brought it into his possession. That's the word used in this, uh, this Greek word used in this verse to bring it into your possession, to seize it, to subjugate, to dominate it and say, this belongs to me. I've got control of this ball now. I've got control of this promise now. And nothing's going to pull me away from the promise. So seize it. Hold fast. Retain without wavering. And then he says, without wavering. Without wavering. The word waver means to sway to and fro, to become unsteady, to feel or show doubt or indecision, to fluctuate or vary. And I'll repeat it. It means, to, first of all, to sway to and fro, to become unsteady. Doubt does not provide stable footing. It means to feel or show doubt or indecision, to fluctuate or vary. So he says that it is possible to hold fast the profession of our faith and not have any indecision, not fluctuate, not sway to and fro, not feel or show doubt or indecision. It's possible. How do we do it? We hold on to that faithfulness of God. He's faithful that promised. So the how-to is, is included here in both of these texts. The reason that I am able to hold fast to the profession of my faith is because my, my holding fast, fast is anchored in His faithfulness. Amen? So... This, in both examples, is a New Testament instruction. Why did the Holy Spirit write to us as New Testament believers and encourage us, even to the point of instructing us with a, a straightforward command, be steadfast, be unmovable. Hold fast the confession of your faith. There's another example. I believe it's in Hebrews chapter 4. Let 
Let me see where, where my other example is. Hallelujah. 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed unto the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to saying the same thing. Do you see that? So here are these three New Testament instructions. Hold fast. Be steadfast. Be unmovable. Why? Because the enemy, he cannot force you to lose. He can't defeat you if you'll stay in faith. The only thing he's skilled in doing is getting people's attention and getting them to waver. Getting, getting people to give up. Getting people to let go. If we don't let go, there, he's, he's without weaponry. If we don't give in, if we don't fluctuate, if we hold fast, he is a non-issue. It doesn't matter what he does if I stay in faith. It doesn't matter how he fights if I maintain my profession of faith. Because this is between me and God. And the enemy's attacks, his resistance is futile. If I will submit to God, I resist the devil, he flees. Hallelujah. So his attack against me loses all, all effect if I don't respond to his attack. If I maintain my profession of faith, if I become unmovable, then what's he going to do? What you going to do? What are you going to do? If, I, if that won't move me, if, if, if he can't get me to respond to the symptom, if he can't get me to respond to the situation, if, if he's putting all the pressure on and I'm still maintaining my walk of faith and responding in the victory that's mine in Christ, what is he going to do? He has to leave. Amen? So notice here this instruction is to the New Testament believer and it, we are instructed to be steadfast. So this is what we're looking at tonight. And um, James chapter 1 is another place we see this contrast of wavering versus being steadfast. James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not and it shall be given him but let him ask in faith nothing wavering for he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Asking for wisdom. Asking for wisdom was what led us into this conversation the Holy Spirit is having with the believer. He says, when you ask, 
Ask in faith. What is a way for us to describe faith? According to Hebrews chapter 11, faith is a certainty. Faith is the confidence. Faith is the assurance. Those are different translations from that that verse. Faith is the title deed. Faith is the the um, the certainty that that what God said is true. Amen. And so ask in certainty. Ask fully assured. Fully persuaded. Ask with that confidence, nothing wavering. This word wavering, we we looked at the word wavering in the book of Hebrews. This one uh, also has the idea to separate or withdraw from. To separate. When a person doubts, they separate from the promise. When a person believes, they connect to the promise. Believing is that anchor on the promise. But the doubt unhitches the anchor. It unties the anchor. And that's where a lot of people are fooled. Because they stepped out in faith. They may have made a prayer of faith. They may have thrown out and attached their anchor to it. They're anchored on that promise. But then they look at the wind. They look at the situation. They look at the the things going on. They feel the symptoms in their body. They have these other natural evidences that are contrary to the spiritual evidence. And they say, well, but I don't feel like I have it, so I must not have it. And they let go of the rope. And they let go of the rope, and as they do, the promise begins to drift in one direction, and they're moving in another. And they're no longer connected to what they were once connected to. Because doubt separates. It, the, the, the word in the concordance means to separate thoroughly. To, to separate you from the promise. To separate you from the thing you were believing for. And so when we let go, and then here's the mercy of God. We come back and we say, oh, Father, forgive me. I got over and I was looking at what I see. I was looking at how I feel. Forgive me, Lord. And we go back and, and we throw, the, throw a new rope. But now we're farther away from it, and we're starting from scratch. We're starting from square one again. And so now we're believing God. And with each... Uh, if anybody who's been through the curriculum in Fort Faith, y'all know we got that faith rope out there. It's one of the things in kids' church, right? Got the faith rope, and, as, and I'm pulling it with my words. And I'm saying, Father, I thank you. I believe I received when I prayed two weeks ago. I have it. Thank you, Lord. And with your faith, it's getting closer to you. It's, it's in your possession, but there's a length of rope as it's coming into manifestation. It's in your possession until you let go. So when that person comes back and starts over again, then the frustration is, I've been believing for this a long time. When, when in reality, they've been believing and doubting and believing and doubting. They've been throwing the rope and dropping it and throwing a new rope and dropping it and throwing a new rope and dropping it, praying a new prayer of faith and starting over again. 
instead of maintaining the course, instead of holding and saying, you know what, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I have it because I believe I receive when I pray. That's why I have it. I have it no matter how I feel. I have it no matter what I see. I have it no matter what my bank account says. I have it because I believe I receive when I pray. And then I'm pulling it in. Amen? And so then it's just a matter of time. Hallelujah. So when he says, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, he's saying, don't ask and, and let go, and then ask again and let go, and then ask again and let go. I mean, yeah, if you've let go, ask again, but then just keep holding on. God's merciful. He's, 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 not, he's not reprimanding us uh, in, in the stages where we're growing. Amen? So he says, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, because the one who wavers is moved by the wind. Driven with the wind means if the wind is blowing one way, they go with it. If the circumstance is telling them one thing, they let it, they let it just move them on that direction. We are not to be driven with the wind. The wind is not supposed to be able to move us. The wind is not our motivation. The wind is not what sets our course. We set our course against the wind. We set our course in, the, in line with the word of God. And so he said the person who wavers is driven with the wind and tossed. That is not the life God has chosen for you, a tossed around. Tossed around by circumstances, tossed around, always having, having to deal with the, this circumstance to the next circumstance. He doesn't want you to be driven with the wind and tossed. He wants you to be receiving. And so he says, that man who is wavering, who is separated, who withdraws from that walk of faith, that man, don't let him think he will receive anything of the Lord and it's not because the Lord's withholding it's because the receiving is not in a in the right position if you're if you make a faith declaration or a prayer of faith because you can have pray you can have faith by saying or faith by praying mark chapter 11 22 23 24 you can have faith by saying Whosoever will say to this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever things he says. That's how we operate faith. And then he said, And when you stand, and, and whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive. So you can have faith by saying, or you can have faith by praying. But in either, either way, that faith by saying, that faith by praying, that is my connection. That is my address in the Spirit. I have made my declaration. This is where I declare I believe that I receive when I pray. This is when I have it, not when I see it. This is when I have it. We're talking about things that can be acquired by the prayer of faith. Things that can be accessed by the prayer of faith. There are some things that are, are your 
intercessory, praying for other people's choices, other people's will. You're going to use your faith, but it's not the prayer of faith. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm talking about things that are yours by birth in Christ, by your new birth, things that belong to you because of covenant. Your healing is your inheritance in the covenant. Your financial prosperity is your inheritance in the covenant. The salvation of your children is, is part of your inheritance. And so you stand and you utilize the prayer of faith. And it becomes a point, an address. There are GPS coordinates to that, that moment in not necessarily the location you might be sitting here in your seat and you move over into that place of faith and you make your faith declaration and it goes with you when you go home, Amen. right? But that's where the promise is coming, to your faith. So if you drop it, the, the promise may be delivered and not find you home. If you drop it, if you say, I, I didn't get it, I don't have it because I don't feel like I have it, and I don't have it because, you know, I've been given and it's not given unto me. I've been trying this tithing thing and it's not working for me. And you go out and you, you declare what you feel and what you see, which according to God was the evil report. That's what the 12 disciples, they, or the, the, 10, the spies, the 10 spies that came back, they had an evil report. What was their report? What they saw? What they felt? Right? So if we go around saying what we feel, saying what we see, and it's not working for me, and it's just every time I turn around, it's getting worse, and I take two steps forward, and I get pushed three steps back, and, and that costs me an arm and a leg, and I'm, I'm just going to, if we'll say that, we're dropping, we're moving away, the wind is moving us, right? We're moving away from the location, that's not steadfast, that's moved. That person is moved, and the answer comes and finds them no longer at the address where they began. Hallelujah. Undeliverable. It can't be delivered because they're not in faith. Why couldn't they enter in? Because of their unbelief. That's what Hebrews said. Why couldn't they enter in? Unbelief. God wanted it. It wasn't God who held them back. God didn't get mad at them and say, you're not going in. He, with, because of his anger, he said, I can't take you in there with that unbelief. It was their unbelief. So God said, nope. Why? What did they say? They said, we're going to die in the wilderness. So how could God take them in when all they've been saying out of their mouth is we're going to die in the wilderness? I can't take you in. I can't take you into the land with milk and honey because you won't agree with me. All you're saying is that, not you, but them. All they were saying was, God brought us out here to die. We're going to starve to death out here in the wilderness. We don't have any good food to eat. All we got is this angel's food, this manna from heaven. Why, why, why did God bring us out here? We miss our leeks, we miss our garlic. Take us back and let us get those leftovers the Egyptians threw out for us. And God said, how can I take them in if all they say is, we're going to die in the wilderness? You brought us out here to die. Hallelujah. Wavering is not for us. We are not those who waver. We are those who are steadfast. 
So can we read verse 8 in the Amplified? A double-minded man. Verse 8 in the Amplified said, For being as he is, a man of two minds, hesitating, dubious, irresolute, he is unstable and unreliable and uncertain about one thing? Just the thing he's believing for? Everything. Your faith affects every area of your life. It's not just dealing with one area. If you, if you, let me explain it with an example from my life. When we were going through a very difficult time in the Kansas location. We had had a couple of, of groups of people uh, decide that they would rather uh, go karaoke instead of uh, serving God, and they wanted to go drink, and so they left the church, and uh, it was they were in positions, and so it caused some tremors in the church, and there was a lot going on. It was during a recession that was going on in the world at that time, and there were different things that were happening. And at the same time, this was before God had brought us out of debt, and we still had a lot of responsibilities financially that we were in debt to. And so um, it, it caused a lot of negativity in, in me, and I was dealing with it from a natural standpoint, and I decided to go get a job, and I was working nights at a juvenile detention center, and, and I would get done at the church on Sunday night and get done with worship and then drive out to Topeka where I was working uh, the night shift. It was a very difficult time. I was dealing with it out of my natural mind. I wasn't dealing with it from a spiritual perspective. I was... In the ministry, I had doors open up to me for the ministry. I was actually scheduled to come down here and film one of my first partner specials on VTN. And as I am sitting there driving to this job, I'm crying. I'm crying because I feel like I'm losing my ministry. All of the things that God has prepared me for. I've got this book that's gone nationwide, pressure, no problem. I've got these opportunities. I've got this, this uh, you know, different uh, doors opening up. And at the same time, we're dealing with things and I'm having to go get a job and work this night shift and try to keep all of my ministry responsibilities during the day and schedule the trips around whatever time I can get off at this job. I'm crying and I'm listening to worship. I've got this song on by Marcos Witt, who is a, it was Spanish, I was already learning Spanish at the time, and so I'm, I'm singing this song about uh, how powerful God is, <laughs> and crying while I'm singing about how powerful God is, poderoso Dios, poderoso Dios, poderoso Dios, I'm singing and I'm crying, and all of a sudden, a flash, in a moment, God showed me a vision. And in this vision, I saw all of these 
dominoes lined up. And I saw that first domino fall, and it started hitting all of the dominoes all the way around until they were all flat. And the Lord said, if you don't stop the way that you're acting and start using the faith that you know, it will go all the way back until you even doubt if you ever got saved. Because your faith affects every area of your life. If you let your faith be affected in one area, it's going to affect the way you see things in other areas. If you don't trust God with your finances, how are we going to trust Him in this other area? If we don't trust Him and act on His word here, it's going to affect something somewhere else. And we're going to say, well, I believe God about this, but how can He be faithful in this area and not be faithful in this area? Do you see? It affects every area of your life. And so this unwavering, this un, un, this wavering man, this unstable man, he is unstable in all of his ways. But did you remember I told you that's not you? You are not the unstable. You are not the wavering. So let's reverse this and let's read it. For being as you are, a single-minded steadfast, resolute. You are stable and reliable and certain about everything you think, feel, and decide. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's you. That's what happens when we act in faith. We become certain about it. We become pinpoint accurate in our walk. We are certain about it. Hallelujah. That's what we've got to recognize that the enemy wants to move us. He wants to make us unsteady. But if we will let God develop our faith, one of the things that we're going to see is that certainty. We're going to see that steadfastness. We're going to find ourselves unmovable. And that needs to be our objective. That needs to be the high water mark that we're setting for ourselves. This is the standard that I'm setting. I'm not moved by that. And if you'll recognize that's what he's trying to do. Now, the devil never wants you to know he's, it's the devil attacking you. He never wants you to recognize him. He doesn't want you to see him. He wants you to think that's your thought. He wants you to think that's just what's happening around you. Hallelujah. But if you'll recognize when things happen and try to bring you into a response, that is an uncertain response. When things try to move you or change your mind about what you believe, you better, you better recognize. You better identify that. You better call that out. No, I see that. I see that. This is trying to make me think it's not working. It's working. It's working. Healing power is working. It's working. It's working. The healing power is working. It's working, it's working, it's working night and day. It's working in my body to drive sickness away. Not because I see it, not because I feel it, but because God said it. That's why it's working. I believe God. I believe God. So anything that tries to come and bring you into uncertainty, stand against that. Resist that with the word. Come against those thoughts. 
Come against those feelings. Come against them. Don't accept it just because it feels real. Don't accept it just because it seems more real. You've got to stir yourself up sometimes. And stir yourself up to say, it's real because... And then you pull the word out and you begin to profess the word. What do you hold fast? The profession of your faith. The profession of your faith. Can you imagine... The woman who was healed of the issue of blood, nothing felt different when she got out of her house that day. Nothing felt different until she was touched by his power. And then she knew that it was changed. But before the power of God went into her body, she kept saying, I shall be whole. I shall be whole. I shall be whole. She held her profession of faith. She maintained that unmovable, steadfast flow of faith. We don't want to be picking it up and dropping it, picking it up and dropping it. We want to hold fast to the profession of our faith. Hallelujah. So look with me at Psalm chapter 1. We're going to wrap it up here. Psalm chapter 1. We're going to start to wrap it up. That's going to be my first close. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. Does that sound like somebody who's steadfast on the word? In the law of God, the word of God, he meditates day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season, his leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Do you, does that give you a good description of that steady, unmovable person and the results that come because we're steady in our faith, we're unmovable in our faith? What's going to happen? We're going to be like a tree. A tree planted by waters. You're not going to move that tree easily. I mean, I remember my grandfather having to get the John Deere tractor out to move an old tree stump, that, an old rotten tree stump that, had, there, that hadn't had, you know, a trunk above the ground for a while. But those roots were so deep into the, the earth. He couldn't get it out in his own power. He had to attach a tractor to it to pull it out because it was unmovable. That's the roots that you and I are supposed to have. Roots that go down so deep that there's not anything that's blowing in the wind that can move us off the promise of God. Amen? A tree planted by the rivers of water. What's going to happen? If we stay planted, our leaf won't wither and what we do shall prosper. The key is meditate. He said meditate. Well, meditate includes the mind, but it's not limited to the mind. In the original language, it's the word that means to mutter. To mutter. Now, muttering is not, you really, if you're muttering, you don't want the other person to hear you. Have you ever heard your teenager mutter and you're like, I, what did you say? Uh, nothing. You said something. You better just come on clean with what you just said because I heard the words. I did, but yeah. You didn't want to be heard that muttering, right? But this is muttering the word. 
So it's not for the purpose of other people hearing us say it. I'm not saying it to convince you of it. I'm not saying it to, to share it with you. I'm saying it to chew on it. The word is a word that describes how a cow chews its cud. A, a cow pulls the grass up out of the ground, pulls it into a big wad in its mouth, and begins to chew on that wad of grass. And then it will swallow it into its first stomach. But it's not done with that grass. It regurgitates the grass. After it's been in that first stomach, it pulls it up and starts to chew on it again. And it will sit and chew on that wad of grass, that cud. It chews on that grass because it didn't get everything out of the grass the first time it chewed on it. There's more to be gotten out of that verse than you just declaring it one time. There's more to be gained out of pulling that back up out of your spirit and, and, and meditating on it again, muttering it to yourself, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. No weapon formed against me. I'm not saying it for you to hear me. I'm saying it because I'm chewing on it. I'm meditating on it. And when I have it in my mouth, guess what happens to my mind? My mind has to think on what I'm saying. You can't use your mouth without employing your mind. Your mind has to stop whatever it was worrying about, whatever, it, whatever thought process it was trying to follow, it has to stop the direction it was going and come back over here and think about that scripture that you're making it say. So now not only do you have it in your, in your mouth, but now your mind is also imagining it. Your mind has to picture it. Your mind then goes to work on what you've got in your mouth and it begins to see it. It begins to uh, put the details into that picture. So notice this mind and the mouth involved in the muttering, in the meditating. So I want it in my mind, but I don't want it just in my mind. I want it in my mouth which is going to make my mind line up with what I want it to think about. Now, that's how we maintain. That's how we become un unmovable, is we begin to use the weapon that God has given us, the tool that God has given us. Let me give you a few more scriptures for this word mutter. Joshua 1.8. I'm going to just pop through these. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then you will make your way prosperous and you shall have good success. Another scripture that is directly connecting what I have my mouth and my mind employed in to my success in life to my stability in life. The Word of God meditating. I'm meditating the Word. I'm muttering, muttering the Word. I'm thinking on it. I've got it in my mouth. I've got it on my mind. Right? And what's going to happen? I will be able to see how to do it. 
I will be able to see. It says that you may observe or see. That you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. That's how I, I, I came to a place where I could see myself coming out of debt. Why? Because I was meditating on Psalm 68. He brings out those which are bound by chains. I was met, the scriptures helped me see myself debt free before I got debt free. I could see it and then I could be it. Now, Psalm 35, 28 uses the same word, but it's, this is how it translates it. Psalm 35, 28, and my tongue shall speak. That word speak is the same word used in Joshua 1, 8 and Psalm chapter 1 for meditate. He said, my tongue shall speak of your righteousness and of your praise all the day long. So if I'm speaking of something all the day long, I've got it in my mouth all day. I'm talking about it, and I'm thinking about it, right? So this is the exact same word that's translated meditate in the other scriptures. I will meditate. I will speak of your righteousness and of your praise. Let me give you another example. Psalm 37, 30. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom, and his tongue his tongue talks of judgment. The word speak is the same word translated meditate in Joshua 1 and Psalm 1. Speak. The mouth of the righteous speaks. So it's not talking about just one thing that they uttered, but what they're muttering, what they're saying, what they're continually verbalizing in their life. Psalm 63, 6. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the night watches. When I remember, remember and meditate. So there's, that, there, there's the word meditate. Meditate upon you in the night watches. Psalm 71, 24. My tongue also shall talk. There's the word that's translated meditate. My tongue shall talk of your righteousness all the day long. Again, all the day long is something that I've, I've got it rolling around in my mouth. For they are confounded, they're brought unto shame that seek my hurt. Psalm 77, 12, I will meditate also of all your work and talk of your doings. Meditate. Psalm 143, 5, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. I'm used on the work of your hands. The word meditate, which means to mutter. Proverbs 8, 7, from my mouth shall speak truth. Here it's translated speak again. My mouth shall speak truth and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. Proverbs 15, 28. The heart of the righteous, here's an interesting one, studies. Same word, translated meditate and speak in the other verses is translated study here. So that studying is that with my heart, and with my mouth, I'm, I'm putting it, pulling it out of my heart, speaking it with my mouth, putting it back in my heart, pulling it back up, pulling it back in, and my mind is employed in all of that. My mind is active. What am I thinking about? All of his works. I, my, the heart of the righteous studies to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. This is the key for you and I being steadfast. If you want to be steadfast, Mental effort's not going to accomplish it. 
Not, mental effort will not produce spiritual steadfastness. For us to become steadfast and unmovable, we're going to have to pull the word in our mouth and hold it there. Pull the word in our mouth and hold it there. What, what you're believing for, if you are really believing for something, we're going to find it in your mouth. Because believing requires speaking. We having the same spirit of faith, we believe and therefore, therefore, because I believe, what's going to happen? As a result of my believing, what's going to happen? So if, if it's not in my mouth, I'm not at a full level of faith with it in my heart. If I'm not saying I have it, I believe it's mine now, then I've got to, I've got to continue establishing the possession of that promise in my heart until my mouth begins to kick out the fullness of it. When my, the evidence of where you are in whatever you're believing God for, the evidence is in your words. Are you saying you, you, you hope? I believe I will. I believe God's going to. Anything that's putting off into the future is not in your possession. When it's in your possession, you say, bless God, I have it. Praise God, I believe. I believe God. What was, what was the Apostle Paul saying when he said, I believe God? The, the wind didn't die down. The storm is still tossing the ship. They have thrown everything of food, of rigging for the ship, everything. All their clothes, their belongings, they've thrown everything off the ship. They're ready to die. And he says, I believe God. And the winds are still howling. The waves are still rocking the boat. I believe God. None of us are going to die. The ship will be lost, but none of us are going to die. I believe God. Had no evidence in the natural. That it, and listen, the whole time they were in the water, after the ship fell apart, and they're holding on to pieces of the broken ship. Can you be unmovable when you're holding on? to a piece of wood off a ship that has broken and you're in the middle of the ocean, can you be unmovable? Well, we know he was, or they wouldn't have made it. He didn't let go of his faith rope. He was stable, steadfast, unmovable. I believe God. Amen? And you are too. That's why we're here tonight on a Sunday night. We're, we're learning how to be unmovable. Stand with me to your feet. Thank you so much for being here, being a part of what God is doing. Hallelujah.